So I was legitimately valedictorian from that point on, which was terrifying. No matter what I did at that point, somebody hated me. Being bullied, all those things severely changed me as a person. And I felt it. I felt it to the point where I had no confidence. I felt so bad about myself all the time. And I remember being like 10 years old or being 12 years old and looking in the mirror and just crying. But it, it's something that you don't understand until you go through. To this day, when I write poetry, I think it feels like therapy to me. And I consider it a form of therapy. For some reason, when I put some rhymes to it, it feels like I'm healing my inner child. On today's episode of All Things Con Amor, we are joined by the beautiful and wonderful Celia, poet and Yale alumna, but also my dear friend. You may know her as Powerhouse of the Cell on TikTok, and our conversation went into so many directions that we chose to split this episode up into two parts. In this first part, we're going to dive into how her upbringing shaped her, how she became valedictorian of her high school, and toxic friendships. But stay tuned for part two, where we'll really go in depth into gaining self-confidence and more. We hope you enjoy. All Things Con Amor is the pursuit of holistic health, wellness, happiness, love, the things that really set our soul on fire. Enjoy the ride. Guys, guys. Today, we have on one of my favorite people, and you're not going to believe how we met. I am so excited to introduce you all to the beautiful, wonderful Celia Martinez Aceves. Did I pronounce that correctly, Aceves? Yeah, yeah. I did. Okay. So to get started, hello. For anyone that is listening right now and has never heard of you before, um, just a few background things about yourself that you feel are like important to your story that you could share with us. Yeah. So a little bit about me. So I am first generation Mexican-American. Both of my parents are Mexican immigrants. Uh, They came to the U.S. a very long time ago, way before I was born, but I was born in California. And my parents actually forced us to go back to Mexico. I say forced, but I willingly went. I like, I love Mexico, but they would force us to go back to Mexico every summer uh, to just make sure that, you know, we, we remembered where we came from. We stayed in touch with all our family. And the way that that started was actually right after I was born, um, my brother, who's four years older than me, he decided that he no longer wanted to speak Spanish when we were living in the U.S., So my parents were like, that's unacceptable. And they moved us all to Mexico right after I was born. So I was born in California, but I actually lived in Mexico my entire first year of life. And so Spanish was my first language, but I learned Spanish and English at the same time. So that's kind of a a fun fact about me that a lot of people might not know. Wait, can I just say that's hilarious because the same thing happened to me as a kid. Mario, my brother. Mm -hmm. He would be so embarrassed for people to know this now because he loves speaking Spanish and saying he's Colombian and whatever. But when we were like five and he was like three, he was like a little kid. He went up to my grandma one day and goes, I'm American. And in America, we speak English. And my abuelita was so furious. She would, so she would only respond to him in Spanish. And she was like, I'm not going to feed you until you reply to me in Spanish. Like it was this whole big thing. And so my brother and I ended up spending our summers in Colombia as well. Um, So that's so interesting that we both had that experience, but very cool. So you are super, super connected to the culture. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I try to be, I mean, I think I definitely felt a sort of separation, especially in like middle school, high school, Mm -hmm. especially once I started 
to feel like I was starting to take more advanced classes, there just suddenly became this divide of like us and them kind of mentality where I, I think a lot of first gen Mexican American or just first gen people in general kind of feel it where people will say like, oh, you're too American or like you're too Hispanic or whatever. And you kind of start to feel the separation of like, where do I belong? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't I'm too Mexican to be American, but I'm too American to be Mexican. And like, especially when you're one of the only Latinas in AP classes, you, you start Absolutely. to feel really like, I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. But then like, you know what I mean? Like it's so I went to a explain. predominantly white high school and I went through the exact same thing. And it was like, I really, I think adopted American culture in high school because I wanted to fit in so badly. And when I would visit Columbia, as I got older, like all of a sudden my nickname was gringa. And I was, I, I don't even have an accent when I speak Spanish, but I was so Americanized that they were like, oh, like you have it easy. You live in the United States. You're not really one of us. But then in the United States, I, I didn't have like the history. Like I still don't understand like Seinfeld references and jokes. Like I don't know American <laughs> pop culture at all. I, yeah, I've never watched um, So yeah, Sevi and I obviously like we're good friends because of the so many things that we can relate on. Um, yeah. So you spent a lot of time in Mexico and then you in high school did very, very well. I did. I, you know, when I was in it, I didn't think that I was doing very well. Like I knew that I was getting good grades and I knew that I was working really hard, but obviously you have that imposter syndrome that comes with like doing well. And especially when you're one of the only Latinas that are doing very well and are taking these advanced classes, like I was saying, you, you feel like you're doing something wrong by doing all these right things like that's confusing to say but for example my brother who I was talking about who's four years older than me he graduated right before I was about to start high school and he graduated as valedictorian got into like all these amazing schools like got interviewed by all these places um like news places that were like wow your story is really powerful like I'm pretty sure he was the first Latino to graduate as valedictorian of my high school and my high school was like a very big public high school with like 500 people per class so that was a huge deal wow and yeah so my experience and I'm talking about like he got into Harvard and like MIT and like all these Ivy Leagues that I you know like it's incredible to get into one but he got into all 10 schools that he applied to so my experience was he graduated right as I was coming in so I went into high school and everybody instead of like knowing my name they'd be like oh you're so-and-so's little sister And I had all the same teachers and everybody that was upperclassmen already knew me, but not because they knew me, but because they knew my brother. So my experience was very different than a lot of people because I already had all these expectations put on me. And instead of being like, yeah, like I'm also going to be valedictorian. I just accepted that I wasn't, I accepted that I wasn't like, I, I knew me and I knew my brother and I knew that he was way smarter than I was. I was like, I'm definitely not going to be anywhere near the same level as him and yeah so that was that's such a different perspective because I have very strong like big sister syndrome where like Mm -hmm. I had to figure everything out I had to google what the SATs were I had to sign myself up like yes my mother is the most supportive incredible woman in the world and she drove me to everything but I had to do all of the figuring out and then my brother was the one that really like had the advantage of me helping him through all of that stuff so I think that's why I really gravitate towards trying to help people through it because I know what it's like to be in that position of like, I have no idea how to apply to a college. I have no idea what the pre-med path consists of. You know what I mean? So that's, I had no idea that you were like following in those footsteps. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely something that I, I think a lot of people don't assume about me just because I give very like big sister energy you online. You do. Yeah. But I'm the youngest in my family. Like I I'm there's You're four the of baby? us. I'm the baby, yeah. Oh and my gosh. So I think it's so funny when somebody like comments on one of my videos and they're like, you give off big sister vibes. And I, I remember I made a video way before like I started getting a lot of followers where I was just like, I want to radiate big sister vibes, but I have no idea how to because I've just been the baby my whole life. And you know, I'm starting to feel it now because when you're trying to figure out like applying to med school and all that, when nobody else in your family has done that, which we'll get into that later, but like, I'm, I'm feeling that now where I'm like, I have no idea like about MCAT stuff and like fee waivers and all these things. And which is why I try to like reach out to people like you, where I'm like, okay, I, I need help. And I, I think that's where social media can have such a great impact on people. If you're, if you're using it the right way, it can be so helpful. Like, but obviously there's so many toxic sides to it too, with like comparison and stuff like that. That was, that's my experience with high school. So I went into that and immediately I had people that like hated me. Like I had people that just disliked me and people that would act like my friends. And then later on, I would hear them like talking real s-h-i-t about me from other people and you know we'll get into toxic friendships later on but that's when I really started like I had dealt with toxic friendships in the past but high school was when I started to be like really badly bullied about things that like I just being myself was like enough to piss someone off which I like it was really hard to deal with because I always thought of myself as a very positive person and and suddenly my personality was like too weird to like be nice or to be normal and I don't know like <laughs> I'm gonna try this not is like to like breaking my heart because guys Celia is the sweetest human being like she is such a ball of joy and sunshine and like you know what all of that must have been it must have been people who were jealous and they were just projecting their insecurities onto you because it probably made them mad that like they couldn't be as happy as you were and that really really like struck a chord with them and I feel like the meaner people are to you, the more it shows about what you're bringing out in them, you know? Yeah, but at the time when you're, I must have been like 14, 15, when you start to deal with that. You were so little, yeah. You you automatically feel like it's your fault. And it wasn't the first time I was bullied. Like the first time I was bullied was like in elementary school. And it, it started from a really young age, sadly. And that's why it breaks my heart whenever like I see it happen online or whenever I see people just like being rude to other people. Because- so my dad, he he was a garbage man. He retired um, in 2020 and I would get bullied for the clothes I would wear because, you know, the only things that we could really afford were things that we would buy at a thrift store. And it's so funny now because when I was younger, I absolutely hated going to the thrift store because Me I too. knew I would be made fun of it. And, you know, now it's something that's super trendy. And I've, I've talked about this in videos before and I've like talked about like now I love thrifting I think it's great and I think it's wonderful for your for the environment and I think you know it's such a unique way to find your style but you know when you're 15 and you know you need a dress for something for school and your mom's like well the only dress that we can afford is the one from the thrift store you're like I hate the thrift store (laughs) like I don't want to I don't want to be there and but I I would be made fun of it so badly like people would point at me and be like oh or people would talk and be like oh Celia got her clothes from the trash because my dad was a garbage man and you know I would hear it and it would made me it made me feel so bad to the point where I had no confidence like I just felt so I felt so bad about myself all the time and I remember being like 
10 years old or being 12 years old and looking in the mirror and just crying because I just like hated myself so bad. And, you know, it's terrible. It's something terrible that like, I don't, I don't ever want someone to experience that. And I'm, I'm going to yeah. make sure that, you know, if I have kids in the future, that they're never going to have to experience that. But it, it's something that you don't understand until you go through. And Absolutely. I, I think that goes for so many things, like, especially heartbreak, like that we'll also talk about later on. It's just, mm-hmm. it's one of those things that you really, really can't empathize with unless you've been through it. And you're like, I know what it feels like to just be like looking at yourself in the mirror and absolutely bawling your eyes out because- and nobody can help you. Like, people no. can be like, oh, you're beautiful. Like, why are you crying? Like, you shouldn't be crying. Like, you're such a beautiful, like, it doesn't matter what anybody else says, because as soon as you have those beliefs so deeply ingrained, and that's what you're believing, like, nobody can change your mind. Like, only you can change your mind at that point. And yeah. so to get, I think it's very interesting, because, you know, I'm such a confident person now, and people see that, but it took years. It took like a decade to build that up because like of all these things that were happening. And so back to high school, there I was in high school. So already having dealt with all these previous things, like I already thought I was ugly. I already thought I was stupid and not smart Mm -hmm. because that's kind of what like I had been told, um, not necessarily by my family, just by other people surrounding people. Yeah. Um, and so much of it, I kept in, I didn't, I didn't talk about it. I didn't mm-hmm. want to talk about it. Cause I just believed it to be true. It's like, why would I talk about something that's true? You know, like there's no yeah. sense in arguing about that. And so my first year of high school, I was taking, I was starting to take honors class and stuff like that. I knew I wanted to apply to like Ivy leagues and stuff. Um, because I knew I kind of like, didn't want to follow my brother's footsteps, but I didn't, think I could actually do it. That was the difference. Like I wanted to try, but I didn't think I had already accepted defeat almost. So I was taking a couple honors classes and I was taking this one class specifically, which was this biology honors class. And I was taking it with a teacher and something just really started to like make me very uncomfortable because I, we would have like a lot of quizzes and there was two biology honors classes. And there was one teacher that everybody loved. Everybody knew about And he was kind of like the one that had been there the longest time. And then there was this new teacher that nobody really knew, but everyone said she was really, really nice. And I was like, okay, like, whatever. I got the nicer teacher. Like, (laughs) I'll be fine. And we had all these quizzes and I would take a quiz and I would almost always lose points on a quiz. And I was like, okay, like maybe I'm just not setting hard enough. And then one day I would, I looked at the quiz and I like compared my quiz to somebody else's, you know, after we had gotten our grades back. And I, I saw that the points I was getting wrong, other people were getting right. So it wasn't me. Like my quiz was right. But for some reason, I was the only person losing points on it. So I went to the teacher and the first couple of times she's like, oh, it was a mistake. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like I was grading too fast, whatever, whatever. I'm like, okay, people make mistakes. Like I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. And then we had this one assignment. We had to keep these like, I'm going to try to explain so it's not confusing, but we had to keep this notebook um, where you had to put all your assignments in there and, you know, you had to like make a table of contents and like make it like a book almost. And then at the end of the quarter or semester, or whatever, you were graded by how organized it was and how clean it was. And if all your assignments were in it and it was just yeah. basically like teaching about organization. Mm-hmm. And I'm a very organized person. Like, honestly, I think I should have been born a Virgo sometimes because I'm a very organized person. I'm a cancer, by the way. But sometimes I'm like, you probably have Virgo in your chart. <laughs> I don't. Uh, maybe I do. I'm a I'm a Cancer Sun, an Aries Moon, and a Scorpio Rising. Oh my goodness, that's a strong chart. 
I know. I know. That's why we get each other. I'm a, I'm a rising cancer. So I come off as a cancer, which is why we both come off as very like motherly, loving, like homey, take care of people. Sentimental, emotional. Yes. <laughs> well, no, I, I think honestly, I always forget my moon, but I'm pretty sure my moon is also Aries. So I think okay. the way we like, apparently it's our very chaotic. Swings. Yeah. We're it's, chaotic. It's very, I think very chaotic. Good. Chaotic. Yeah. Good. So I make this whole notebook, beautiful notebook, my handwriting chef's case so good and I turn it in and I'm like I'm gonna get such a good grade on this I'm so excited I'm like I I know all my assignments are in there I know that I have all my table of contents and I'm a super anxious person so you know I I like quadruple check that notebook to make sure everything was there and then we get like let's say a week passes then we get our notebooks back and I've lost so many points on this notebook so many points and not just that it's like coffee stained it's like horrendously stained super dirty and I'm like I did not turn it in like this like what and so I go to the teacher and I'm like hey this notebook like why did I lose so many points and she's like oh because it's really dirty and I'm like but I didn't turn it in like this and she's like oh like my coffee must have spilled there's something in my purse blah 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 and I'm like oh but that that's not like my fault why am I being punished for it? And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And she like returned some of the points or whatever. I don't remember what happened exactly. But at this point, I'm so frustrated. And I was, I was like, you know what? I need to switch out of this class. Like this person is out to get me because it wasn't happening to anybody else. And I was like one of the few Latinas in this class. So I'm like, it's not happening to anyone else. I didn't know why she was like attacking me, but Never in my life have I like cried at school, but one of those days I go to my counselor and I'm like, Hey, I really, really need to switch out. And it's like late in the semester too. And I just start bawling my eyes out in this counselor's office. I'm like, Hey, I'm really frustrated. Like no matter what I do, no matter how hard I study, I am not going to be able to get a good grade in this class. And she like, doesn't believe me or whatever. And I'm like, I'm telling you, like, I give her all the examples. I'm like, here's all the quizzes that I should have gotten perfect scores on that, you know, she deducted a bunch of points. Here's my notebook. Like I didn't stain it like this. And it take, I forced my parents to come. I'm like, yo, like, obviously my parents wanted to come. They're always one of, you know, like Mexican parents, Latino parents. They are, they're always ready to like, love, they love being involved. Yeah. Yeah. So they go, they talk to the counselor. They bring like the principal or something. I think I really don't remember. I try to block it out of my mind, but I'm pretty sure they brought the principal, the counselor's there and they're like, oh, well, if Celia changes classes, like she's going to be really behind because the other class was notoriously hard. It was like very much close to AP level. And they're like, oh, we don't think she's going to do well if she switches out. And I'm like, give me a chance. Give me a chance. Let me prove it. Like no matter what happens, I want it to be my decision. And I was like, it doesn't matter if I don't do well in the other class. I know I'm not going to do well if you leave me in this one. Like you're putting me at a disadvantage by leaving me in this class and whatever, whatever. They let me switch to the class. So now I'm in the, in the other class, the notoriously hard one. And, you know, the teacher is just so kind to me. Like, everyone's like, he's a, like, he's so tough, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, and I'm like, hey, I know I'm behind. I know we have the final in like a month. I know it's going to be a hard final. Like, can you just give me all of the PowerPoints from the rest of like the semester and let me just try my hardest on this? And so I remember it's winter break. He's given me like all the lecture slides and I'm just like studying every day. I'm like, I'm going to do well on this. I'm going to do well on this. I'm going to like get a good grade in this class. I'm going to prove to everybody that it wasn't me. And like, I take the final, I end up with an A minus in the class, which is like this notoriously hard bio class. 
And I'm proud of myself, but that's when a lot of things start to change for me. Cause suddenly I'm not just my brother's little sister. Suddenly I'm like, oh, like she knows how to put in this work. And like, I haven't told this story in such a long time cause it's such a, but I, that was the moment where I kind of knew I was like, okay, like I can Maybe actually, I'm capable. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when kind of like th- things start to switch in my brain, but still I'm not like, oh, I'm going to be valedictorian. Like, I'm like, you know, maybe I'll get into a good school. Like maybe mm-hmm. I do have it in me after all, but this is also the moment where a lot of really toxic friendships start for me. Cause people are like, oh, we should study together. We should study together. And obviously like you start to become friends with people you study with cause you bond with them. Right. And so I have all these people that are like, oh, like I'm wishing you so much luck. You're like, you're going to do great. You're going to do great. And then they turn around and they're telling all these people like, I hope she flunks this class. Yeah. And I would hear That's about so it. That's so unnecessarily yeah, nasty. Like, I think so many times when I hear stories about this or like when I hear people talking about me, it doesn't even make sense in my brain because like to me, it is common sense to be a kind human being and not tear other people down. So when I hear like a few months ago, I heard that like this girl that I thought I was friends with was talking badly about me. And I was just like, it was hard for me to even wrap my head around because I was like, what, like, why would she do that? What was the point? Why would someone do that? You know? Yeah. It's, it's so bad. And it honestly only gets worse from there because it gets really hard to kind of decipher who's on your side and who isn't on your side, especially at that age. Cause you know, you're 15, you know, Taylor Swift said it best. Like when you're 15, like you think everything's great. And then it takes time and experience to learn that you know, some people are just bad people and some people are not going to help you. So I have this experience. It's my first year of high school and I start to make friends with certain people. And those people I stay friends with until like my senior year. And, you know, what are the questions? Like, what, what did I do in high school to get um, into Yale? And I did a lot of things. You know, one of the biggest things was all these really advanced classes that I was taking. I took almost every honors class I could take. I took almost every AP class I could take. I think I took 10 AP classes. And I ended up, I don't even know my exact GPA, but I ended up with like a very good GPA. And obviously I became valedictorian, but here's, here's the kicker. Cause I, I think a lot of people don't know this. So as soon as I, so up until junior year, everybody's rank isn't really changing. It's, it's kind of staying all the same. And so it said that a few people were valedictorian. It said like everybody had rank number one. And there was somebody that I knew that was like way smarter than I was. And I was like, he's going to be valedictorian. And so senior year, it says that I'm salutatorian. It says I'm ranked number two. And I just accept that. I'm like, okay, cool. And then it's the day of our senior sunrise, which is like this tradition we have where you go watch the sunrise, like either your first day of senior year or something like that. I don't remember. I'm old now. (laughs) I was such a long time ago. But my high school was so toxic. People would know my grades before I did. Like people would know my rank before I like it was so bad and it really shouldn't have been like we did not go to this private school where like everybody was for some reason it just it had a lot to do with me and maybe it felt like it was only me at, at that point I didn't see it happening to anyone else and so senior sunrise happens and I I kind of had seen that the rank had changed where I was like number one but our high school had this thing where like, if you get a B in a class, but you get a 500 AP test, like that'll bump your grade up to an A minus or something like that. So I just assumed that that would change. 
because I assume like, okay, if he had gotten, if the other person had gotten a bad grade, like his grade will change, blah, 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 blah. So I just, I didn't think about it. I was like, you know, whatever, like, cool. Being salutatory, just being ranked number two, being ranked top 10% is already a big deal. I don't think I was, I don't, I don't know what I was, but I don't think it was top 10. I think I was like 15, maybe. But all I went to school with like really smart. I went to the number one public school in Maryland. Like my mom made my brother and I go there because it was the top public school in Maryland. So you can imagine how toxic my high school was. Oh my God. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. Damn. Like a ton of kids I went to school with went to Ivy Leagues. Like they wouldn't even look at our applications because there were so many from our high school applying. Um, But I'll I'll tell my college story another day. But okay. So so you're at Senior Sunrise Day. Yeah. So just to go back to what you're saying like to give you the difference with our high schools I was the only person that went Ivy from my high school that year out of like 500 people so like other people I think got waitlist and stuff but I was the only person that actually ended up going so that that's kind of like it really shouldn't have been (laughs) what it was um of how toxic it was but senior sunrise we had just finished I was hanging out in one of my um so I one of the things I also did in high school just to go back a little bit I also did cross country sophomore, junior, senior year, I became one of the captains um, my senior year. And so I was hanging out in like the assistant coaches classroom because he had it like right next to our coaches classroom. And, you know, me and my friends were all there hanging out after senior sunrise because school hasn't hadn't started yet. We were all there at like 7am for the sunrise. And somebody like runs in and it's like, Celia, Celia. And keep in mind, at this point, I hadn't started to go by my actual name because I didn't want to correct people. So people called me Celia all of high school and it killed me inside. It absolutely destroyed me. But I, you know, I Celia? Yeah. Like Celia. Like what? Like Celia and Flagella. Like anytime I was in a bio class, everybody always looked at me to the point where I'm like traumatized a little bit where if somebody, if I'm in a bio class, even in college, if I was in a bio class and they said Celia, I would just like, I didn't say anything. Yeah. But people would call me Celia because I, you know, the first few times they'd be like, oh, my name is Celia. And I would have people that are like, oh, I can't say that. Yeah. I'm gonna call you. They don't even try. They don't even try. Yeah. And so I just stopped. I stopped trying to like correct people. And I Mm -hmm. I didn't want to seem rude or difficult. And my bio teacher from that first year, the one that was like notorious hard, he also became my cross country coach. So I got to like spend a lot of time with him and he wrote one of my letters of recommendation, but he was one of the only people in high school that when I told him my name, he was like, but how do you say it? And I was like, Oh, I say it, Celia. And he was like, well, I can't speak Spanish. So I'll say it, Celia. And I'm like, why did nobody else think to do that? Like, oh my heart. Yeah. So that meant so much to me. He's still one of the best teachers I've ever had. He's actually the reason why I became a bio major um, because I just, like he was such a great teacher and so senior sunrise uh somebody comes in and they're like Celia Celia ma! um and I'm like what and they're like you're valedictorian and I was like no I'm not <laughs> what are you talking about it was like no you're valedictorian and I was like how do you know that and they're like you're valedictorian and then she like leaves and I'm like what and all my friends are just like looking at me like why didn't you tell us? And I'm like, I didn't know. <laughs> and so apparently what had happened is my initial train of thought of like, oh, this other person, like their grades going to get boosted. Their grade did not get boosted. So I was legitimately valedictorian from that point on, which was scary, which was terrifying because, you know, I went from being my first year of high school thinking I could never, ever, ever in my life 
be what my brother was to suddenly being in the exact same position all by myself. Like I had done it all by myself. I had worked really hard and there was a lot of really bad experiences in between. Um, like my junior year, I was taking five AP class. I'm going to go back and forth a lot. I'm so sorry if I'm ever too rambling. That's okay. No, you're a good storyteller. So my junior year, like the first instance I had where I, I felt like I was being discriminated against was that first year of high school where I was getting all these things wrong that I shouldn't have been getting wrong. But another sort of like microaggression that happened was my junior year uh, when I was choosing my classes or I guess my sophomore year when I was choosing my classes for junior year we each had to go meet with a counselor to like decide our classes and then they would be like oh this fulfills graduation requirements this doesn't fulfill graduation requirements whatever and but it wasn't like you were in their office it was like they were sitting at a table and there was like a long long line of kids and like each person would sit down but you could still hear what the other person was saying kind of thing so it wasn't like super private so I'm in line with one of my friends and one of my friends, not Latina, uh, she sits down in front of me and she tells the counselor the exact same classes that I'm about to tell my counselor. So it was like AP English, AP Spanish, AP Chemistry, blah, 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 five APs. We each had decided to take the same class because we want to take classes together. So she sits down, tells the counselor, I'm taking five AP classes. Counselor, cool, amazing, signs off. Here's your schedule, bye. I sit down, I'm like, hi. Hi. I want to take five APs, the exact same fives. And she's like, um, these are hard classes. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And she's like, um, are you sure you can handle this? Uh, yeah, I think I can. No, but are, these are really hard classes. And I'm like, yeah, this is a lot of APs. Uh, yeah. And like, I don't know what to say. I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I, like, I obviously know that she didn't just say that to my friend. Nobody else is going to, like, I at that point, I didn't know how to stand up for myself. And I didn't want to be like, why are you just doing this to me? So I just kind of accepted. I just sat there and I was like, yeah, like, uh, I, like at this point, I'm questioning. I'm like, I don't know, maybe I can't handle it. Like, give me the two AP. <laughs> but I knew that I had to take those classes in order to be able to be potentially valedictorian um because it was still something I was striving for even though I thought I couldn't attain it so after she asked me like five times like are you sure you can handle it I'm like yeah I can handle it and I I remember thinking I was like you cannot show any sort of like confusion Weakness. yeah like yeah. you can't I knew that I couldn't show that I was questioning myself so I was just very firm at like inside I was like freaking out I was like I don't know man I can't handle this <laughs> like I don't know what to do but I was like yeah I can handle it give me the five APs and that's kind of when I started to this like fake it till you make it sort of confidence where mm-hmm. I was just like you cannot because I was being really bullied at that point and I was like I can't show people how much it's getting to me because it was really starting to get to me like I would Aww. come home and just cry but I was like I can't show this Like, I just need to keep my head down. And I was trying so hard to just keep my head down because Mm -hmm. no matter what I did at that point, somebody hated me. Like, there was this whole group that just absolutely wanted, it felt like they were out to destroy me sometimes where no matter what I did, I always pissed someone off. So that happens. So now Senior Sunrise, I'm valedictorian. And I, like, I don't even celebrate. I don't even, like, want to tell anybody because I don't think it's true. And I, I already know... Also at this point, a lot of people, especially from the Hispanic community, were starting to think that I no longer connected with them, that I 
had somehow become like this very stuck up version of myself. And I had gone to preschool with a lot of like also people that were kids of Mexican immigrants. And I was in all these bilingual programs and suddenly they didn't see me as relatable, or at least that's how it felt to me, where I suddenly became this more whitewashed version of myself than who they had grown up with, even though I was still the exact same person. And I still had all these doubts about myself and I was dealing with so much imposter syndrome. But again, I was faking it till I made it. Like I, I didn't want to outwardly be like, yeah, guys, like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. <laughs> like, I just need help. Like, somebody bring me some chocolate, abuelita. Like, let's cry. <laughs> I really resonate with the let's cry. <laughs> <laughs> that is just, it's so bad. And I honestly don't understand how people are like, yeah, high school was amazing. High school sucked for me. High school is absolutely terrible. Probably some of the worst four years of my life. Yeah. Like, at least college. The first you three years were so miserable for me. The first... No, basically up until the end of my senior year, I was not okay. I was not happy. It was, it was a bad, bad time. But was, here we are. Here we are. We, we persevere, but yeah, yeah, that's, that was a long witted way. What did, how was high school for me? That was high. There's so many bad stories I could tell. Um, but I, what are, what are the last stories I'll tell about high school? And then I'll talk about like other things, but this connects, like, I get a lot of questions that are like, how are you such a confident person? Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, you're so confident online. How can I be you? Like, I strive to be like you. Again, I was a very, very, very insecure person for a really long time. And so many reasons for that, you know, being bullied, one of the biggest reasons. To give you an example, I was talking about senior sunrise. Let's skip to senior sunset. Now at the end of the year, a few weeks before graduation, uh, my friend and I, we were practicing prom makeup. She like was getting really into makeup and I never wore makeup, like not even in college. I didn't start wearing makeup until like my twenties. And I'm like, I don't know, like, I don't wear makeup. I'm going to look like, I was so insecure that if somebody made me wear makeup, I would cry because I thought I looked so bad. So she's like, no, you're going to look good. Like, just let me practice this prom makeup. Like, it'll be fine. Like we'll do it before senior sunset. So we can take cute pictures or whatever. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And none of us had been asked to prom, which was also a big point of insecurity for me. Cause I was like, I'm ugly. Cause guys don't like me, which is stupid. I know. But when you're 17, cause I was 17 at the time, I was like, I had been asked out as a joke. I think at some point in high school, um, at least I thought it, it was a joke. Some people were like, no, he was like serious about it, but it was like this very popular guy in my high school. And it, it felt very much like rom-com when they ask you out because they're you're nerdy and smart and Mm -hmm. they want to see if they could actually get a date with you but they don't actually want to date with you it felt very much like that and I've rejected Mm -hmm. it from like the get-go um but we hadn't been asked to prom I was a little sad about it my my ego was a little wounded I was like I'm a very ugly person like all I have going for me is school at this point that's how I felt Mm -hmm. and so I, I just gave it all I got. I was like, all I have going for me is school. I just need to keep going with school and college will be better. College needs to be better. And so senior sunrise um, or senior sunset, I'm wearing makeup. I walk into, we were like at this big park in my hometown to watch the sunset. And I like get out the car. I'm like walking towards the park and this group of people that had been bullying me like all of high school, they look at me, they point at me and they all burst out laughing. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. And 
I was already feeling insecure about wearing makeup. So that happens. And I literally, I can remember the moment so vividly because I feel the tears start to well up in my eyes. And I just remember thinking like, you're wearing eyeliner, you're wearing mascara, you can't cry because they'll see that you have been crying. So I'm just like trying to suck in these tears. And I just feel so absolutely terrible. I just want to leave. I remember like there's a saying in Spanish that's like, tragame tierra. And that's how I felt. I just wanted to be swallowed up by the earth. I was like, yeah. I don't want to. And just disappear into the ground. Yeah. And I was like, I should be enjoying my last few weeks of graduation or like my last few weeks of high school before graduation. And I just remember wanting to be done. I, just, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be here. And after I got into Yale, that was like April, probably. After I got into Yale, I remember I was really just talking to Yale people. I think I kept like my one best friend from high school and everybody else. I was just like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but like, there's also, don't even get me started. Another microaggression, sadly, way too many happen in high school and happen around the world. But another microaggression, one of my friends, um, after I got into, we were talking about like college decisions. And I was like, yeah, like, I don't know. I kind of want to apply to Stanford and like Yale and Harvard, but I don't think I'm going to get in. And she was like, well, it would be easier for you to get in because, you know. And I just kind of like looked at her and I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, oh, well, like it would just be easier for you because of, and then she like wouldn't say it. So I just was like, oh (laughs) yeah, I guess you're right. And I just kind of like laughed it off. But being valedictorian at this point, she was really trying to say that affirmative action was the reason why I would get into a school like that, which was insulting at that point because I had volunteered so many hours I was valedictorian like I had done so much work to get to where I was my application was solid and she really was just like well if you get in we all know why and it wasn't can I tell you someone someone said it to my face because I remember there was this white boy at my high school and he didn't get into Maryland and like anyone that didn't want to go Ivy they want to do it in Maryland to UMD the state school and I remember it so vividly. They were so upset that like he didn't get in and all this stuff. And he was like, well, it's hardest for me because I'm a white male. And like, he was like, well, you only got in because you're Hispanic. Like he said it to my face. And I was like, right. So my GPA and SATs weren't higher than yours because they were, because he was in all regular classes and I was in all honors GT and APs. It made me, it made my blood boil. I was like, don't you dare try to assume that I didn't earn this on my own it just invalidates you as a human being Mm -hmm. like invalidates you as a competitive candidate like at that I felt so uncomfortable I didn't feel angry at that point I just felt uncomfortable because these people were supposed to be my best friends and I was like if you see me like this then how the hell does everybody else see me because they were the ones that were actually seeing how hard I was studying how hard I was working and how much I wanted it like it wasn't just for a show you know like And the craziest thing is that like valedictorian, that is a statistical number that you attained. Like you statistically got better grades than everybody else. Yeah. And at that point, you know, like I said before, I think a lot of people were already assuming I was like this stuck up person where as soon as I walked into high school, people assumed I was stuck up because my brother had done so well, but I was so insecure. I was so insecure. And So it wasn't about feeling like I deserved it because I was better than other people. I knew that other people like could deserve it too. Like there's so many reasons why, like there's so many smart people that could go to Ivy Leagues, but for so many reasons, like can't afford it, need to work, like don't have parental figures 
Like my parents were always there to get me school supplies if I needed them. Like there's so much beyond just your grades. And I knew that. And I, I yeah. feel like I didn't know it to the full extent then, but I know it now. So I knew that being valedictorian didn't make me better than anybody else. Like having gotten into Yale didn't make me smarter than anybody else. And I knew that, but all these other people were just assuming things about me that weren't true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it wasn't that they assumed that was smarter. It's that they assumed that I assumed that I was smarter than everybody else, which made me like, can I cuss on your podcast? Yeah. Okay. Which made them assume that I was like a bitch. And a lot of people just assumed that I was this horrible person. And I think it isn't until now that I'm starting to post on social media that a lot of people that knew me in high school are like, we were completely wrong about you. (laughs) Like we had no idea who you were. And I'll get misjudged you. And I'll get messages from people in high school that like want to be my friend now. And I'm like, you treated me like shit (laughs) before. Like it's so, it's so funny how certain people will pop up when they see that you're doing better. And when they see that they have something to gain from being friends with you now that, especially when I like started my podcast, it kind of started when I, I, everyone knew I was moving to New York city. And then once I started my podcast, people I never spoke to before, or like, wouldn't really give me the time of day or put any effort into like, talk to me or be friends with me. I guess no one really thought I would get into medical school. I didn't really think I'd get into medical school, but I didn't give myself a plan B because I was like, I want to be a doctor. Like I'm going to figure it out no matter what. And when I go home for like summer or like winter break now, it's really funny. I know none of these people listen to my podcast because I know they're not actually supportive. So they're not going to hear this. I know. I don't think anybody from that I'm talking about is going to listen. Yeah, no, none of them are going to listen to this. Um, But they will come up to me at parties and be like, so how's New York City? And I'm like, this is so comical. This is so, so funny how the tables turn. It's, it's so, it's so ridiculous, especially when, like I said, in high school, I was never asked out. I was very much in the mentality of like, I'm not going to date until college. And also like my parents, Mexican immigrants, they were like, you better not be dating in high school. You better be studying. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm not allowed to date. Like nothing will better be, so I'm not going anywhere. And even in college, like that's some, that's also like a conversation for another time, but just feeling like all this guilt of like, I'm doing something wrong whenever you like start dating later on. But there's people that I went to high school with that are asking me out now. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like you went to high school with me. You could have asked me out. Like I'm the same person. Like, yeah, right. maybe my hair is like prettier now. Maybe I know how to do my makeup now, but it's like, I have the same personality. You <laughs> like, and I, like, we look the same as we did in high school. Like we have the same we really face, do. you know what we I really mean? Do. Like we, we are who we were. If you, like, if you, like, why didn't you like me then? When I wasn't successful or when I wasn't doing all of these things, you know, I think that says so much about people. And I feel like when I meet people out nowadays, I don't like letting them know how much I do Yeah, because I want them to like me for my personality and for like who I am and not for like my potential of what I could accomplish because I'm so driven and determined, you know? Yeah. Because I have had one time I was, I was kind of dating this guy. And he made this joke where he was like, he was like, oh yeah, like you'll be my sugar mama. Like I'll be a stay at home dad. When I tell you, I broke up with this man so fast, so fast. I was like, if you think, (laughs) if you think you are going to depend on my salary as Dr. Arnuk, absolutely not. (laughs) Like, no, like I'm going to treat patients because I love it. And because I want to, not because I have to, to sustain a man. Like, what are you bringing to the table? 
Exactly. Sorry, I exactly. So no, I, I'm glad. Like, these are important topics that I, I think don't get discussed enough. And I think that was one of the biggest reasons I also wanted to do social media. It's something that I've thought about for a really, really long time. But there just aren't enough Latinas, like, that went to college that know how to help if you have questions about the SAT and AP classes and, you know, Absolutely. going to college and dealing with completely changing your life. Like, I moved across the country. Mm-hmm. Like, I had... I, my first day of college, I cried myself to sleep. I was like, oh, I yeah. made a completely wrong mistake. And also so much imposter syndrome that comes with achieving these things that deep down, you know, you deserve, you know, you work mm-hmm. for, but you just feel so bad once you're there. And that's why I was like, I want to do this. And that kind of, I'll get into, that'll navigate me to like, why did you start writing poetry? So I started writing poetry probably in high school. And I remember one of the earliest poems I wrote was because of like a a school assignment. And I was in, I think, AP English literature, maybe. And we had to write poetry. And I wrote a poem about how people say my name wrong and about how when people say my name right, it feels like home. And I honestly wish I still had that poem because I don't know if it was a good poem. It was probably pretty bad, but it it meant a lot to you. Yeah. And to this day, when I write poetry, I think it feels like therapy to me and I consider it a form of therapy and you know I've I've tried real therapy of like talking to someone else and it just doesn't do the same because I don't feel comfortable like saying all that out loud but for some reason when I put some rhymes to it it feels like I'm healing my inner child almost and it it feels like I'm able to get out these like really serious topics that I haven't been able like they've been buried in me so deep that I just didn't even know they were there right and that that's kind of like what got me into it so the first poem was kind of in high school and then I remember I wrote another kind of spoken word when I was 19 because I was starting to make YouTube videos um, about like each semester of college. And I wrote a spoken word about turning 19 and, you know, about realizing how much I'm changing and about realizing like how much I'm growing. And in a way, it was kind of like in an ode. Is that the right word? An ode to my younger self and, you know, kind of telling her, like, you're going to go through a lot because like being bullied, all those things severely changed me as a person. And I felt it. I felt it. And, you know, I think it was one of the first spoken words that I did. And I posted on YouTube for a while, got maybe like 10 views. And I ended up privating it later on. And I think I tried to post it on TikTok. And I was like, ah, whatever. Like, I don't think anyone is going to like what I have to say. And it wasn't until I went through like a, a big breakup my senior year of college, where I started to be like, you know what, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to start posting my poet. I was like, nobody's going to see my TikTok. Like, I'm going to have like 10 followers, whatever. And so I started TikTok right after that breakup because I just needed like an outlet. I, I felt so alone. The situation that I was in going, doing my senior year online, I was living off campus 30 minutes away from like a lot of my friends on campus. And I just felt so alone. So I started, and I think that's why a lot of people actually start posting on social media is just, we feel lonely and we And we find community on social media. Yeah. Like people and- that are non-judgmental and are supportive and are really loving. And I, that's like the biggest part of why I started social media. Like you said, like I had no Latino role models to look up to. And I think so badly about how I wanted a big sister. I'm going to get emotional. I 
wanted a big sister so badly to teach me how to do my hair, how to do my makeup. My mom spent her whole twenties swimming. My mom was an international synchronized swimmer. She was accepted to the Olympics. I know. Oh my God. Yeah. So I had those shoes to fill. I had no and idea. so she was, she was always in the swimming pool. So she didn't know how to do her hair. She didn't know how to do her makeup. I pick my mom's outfits out for her. Like I didn't, I didn't know how to dress myself. I didn't know how to fit in and starting to watch people on YouTube, like these girls posting their outfits and things like that. And just like talking. And like, I viewed them as like the role models that like, I wished I'd had like in real life. And I thought to myself, like, none of these girls are Latina. Like I would love to have someone, I would love to be that person that I needed when I was younger for someone else. Yes, exactly. And so then when you messaged me and you were like, I kind of view you as like my big sister, where I tell you tears (laughs) welled up in my eyes, I was like, you want to make me cry in the middle of the day? (laughs) It's true though. I do view you as a big sister, but I'm honored. I I completely agree with what you're saying. And I think we're a very special generation because in a way we were raised by the internet. Like, yeah. I learned how to French braid through a YouTube video. Like I I know exactly what you're talking about. And also, even though we have very different perspectives, like even though I was the youngest, my siblings were like taking AP class and going to college when I just wanted to like play the game of life. You know, like I I was playing the board game and I remember I was playing board games by myself so much so that now I detest board games because I would feel so lonely because I would play them by myself because everybody would be busy. Oh my God. So like we have very similar experiences, yeah. even though we're very different um, perspectives. But yeah, I'm like in a way. That's why I think like social media can be so beneficial, but it also can be very toxic. Because I definitely did get into that, you know, like Tumblr girl mindset where I was like, everybody's super skinny. I need to be super skinny. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until like maybe a month ago I went back and I saw some of my old Pinterest boards of like Fitzbo and stuff, and I was like, why did I want to have my waist like? the size that small yeah. yeah like it's there was so no unrealistic. way I could have done that I definitely had a borderline eating disorder in high school like there were I remember when it was like a thing to like download my fitness pal and track your calories oh my god and yeah. I I remember when my calorie counter said I had to eat like 1500 calories a day or like 1300 calories a day oh and I would eat like an apple and a cup of yogurt for lunch at high school I remember being hungry all the time it oh was so bad. And like, I ruined my metabolism doing that. Like I didn't yeah. even get crazy skinny from like trying to do that because I you're not supposed food. to like, no, no, it slowed my metabolism be- down so much. I started losing weight when I started eating more again. It was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. And so much of it was like emotional weight. I think that people don't really realize how much mine was like, I carried this weight because I was like, Oh, like if people like me, even though I'm kind of chubby, then they really like me for who I am and not just because mm-hmm. I'm hot. And it's like something yeah. that like I cyclically like I'll put on weight. And then it, when I get really like happy and like love myself and I'm confident, it sheds. And then when I mm-hmm. like don't feel good about myself, it comes back on. It's it's really cyclical. And it's something I'm trying to break out of because I'm tired of it being a cycle. Like I'm, I'm so tired. I remember how you said that you, you just like look in a mirror and cry. Yeah. I got so tired of realizing that I was meaner to myself than I was to everyone else. Like it was so heartbreaking how mean I was to myself. And I got so tired of hating myself that I started reading every self-help book I could. I started listening to every single podcast. And like, I realized that like me being in this horrible, like emotionally abusive, toxic relationship stemmed from how much I didn't love myself. 
Cause I yeah. only let other people treat me that way because I didn't care about myself enough to stick up for myself. Yeah. I'm- and it took a lot of years to unlearn that. And like, you're so right. Like all of those things we go through, they, they stay with us to a point where it's like, my bullying was that I got called annoying and it, it stays with me. And like, I will have interactions with people now. And like five minutes after I'll say something, I'll think to myself, Oh my God, was that annoying? Yeah. I have that. I have yep. that. Yeah. And it's-, it's so sad because like with my real friends, they could say or do the weirdest thing in the world. And I would be like, that's so cute. I would never look at them and be like, Ew, that was annoying, you know? So then why would I not give myself that same grace? Yeah. And that's why and- I started this podcast. I was just like, I, a, a lot, aside from like the, the health reasons and like having specialists on to talk about like topics that can really help people and educate people. So much of it is like all things con amor, like everything with love, like how can we learn to love ourselves? And I think all things con amor. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's such a good like, name. Like self-confidence. That is a form of self-love. You know, you're showing up for yourself and you're, you're succeeding because this discipline is a form of self-love. I'm sorry. That took us so off, off track and off no, topic. No, I, I think I'm glad you said that because I, I think that'll steer us into a good next conversation um, because I think something that a lot of people don't understand too is even if you're starting to be insecure because of what friends say about you or what other people say about your family or whatever, um, you carry that so deeply that it will inevitably affect your romantic relationships. And I think a yeah. lot of people don't realize that. And I didn't realize it. But, you know, there's this quote from like the perks of being a wallflower that's we accept the love we think we deserve. I'm pretty sure that's the exact quote. And it's so unbelievably true. And, you know, I've only been in two relationships, but both of them, I definitely accepted things that I should not have accepted. And I really should have walked out very a lot earlier on than whenever the relationship ended. That conversation absolutely flew by. And before we got too deeply into the next topic, I had to cut it off because Celia and I recorded this episode. We were on Zoom for about two hours and a half total. So the second part of this episode will be coming out next week. If you enjoyed this or resonated with it or felt like it somehow impacted you and you wanted to share it on social media and tag us that would absolutely make both Sally and I's day you can find me on instagram at stephanie arnook and this podcast at all things con amor and you can find Celia at tia celia with three a's so t-i-a-c-e-l-i-a-a-a but i'm sure you already follow her we both hope that you have an absolutely beautiful rest of your day thank you so much for being here with us for spending your time with us and we will see you when we see you